Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. We have, uh, we have an exciting morning this morning, a celebratory morning. Uh, we are going to take a break from our series that we've been in on the book of Job uh, for the last two weeks. And this morning, we have four people here in our church, four believers who are going to be baptized up here this morning just after I preach a brief message. So it's an exciting time for them. I'm very excited for them. And uh, we want to give them our love and support as, as they're baptized today. So the title of my message this morning is Baptism. What is it and why do we do it? And as I was thinking about this message, I, I remembered the last message that I preached on baptism. And uh, I remembered that I used a word in that message. And when I got home after the, the service, my, my 12-year-old son, he was 11 then, Abe, said, Dad, why did you call baptism a ritual? That's weird. And uh, when you think about it, it, maybe it is kind of weird. I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's, it's not a ritual in the sense of some rituals that other religions do, but Abe and I are pretty competitive, and I wanted to defend myself against my 11-year-old, so I asked Siri, <laughs> Siri, define ritual. Here is what I found. Oh, she didn't do it. I had it all planned out. Siri, define ritual. Okay. Siri's making a fool of me. But Siri told me that a ritual was any kind of ceremony or anything that a religious group does for a sacred reason. And so baptism could be a ritual, Abe, but I do understand it is a little bit weird and, uh, to call it that. And, and my understanding of that was reinforced a couple of weeks ago. I was at IUP talking to students about Jesus. And um, one young man said to me, he said, I believe that all religions are the same. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you, you seek to obey a higher power, and you do some kind of crazy ritual for that higher power, and you're all good. And I thought about his understanding of that word ritual, and I'm thinking, well, he's, he's probably right in most ways and I told him I said you're you're probably right with the exception of the one true faith and we talked a little bit more about what what it was to do a ritual and he was identifying baptism as our ritual and I explained to him how it's different than rituals that other religions do for example uh, the Hindus if you're a Hindu living in India you have many rituals one of which is when you gather at the Grishinshwar Temple in India with your newborn child. And you climb a 50-foot tower, and there are men with sheets spread out at the bottom of that tower to catch your child in the sheet as you throw him or her off of the tower. And they believe that that ritual will bring favor to their child from the gods and that their child will be blessed for the rest of their life and good things will happen if they do that. We're not going to make any trips to the cell phone tower for our next baby dedication because we don't believe in that ritual. Uh, if you are a part of the Satiri Mawe people in Brazil, 
You have a ritual that, that you would believe would bring you closer to God. It, they believe that it, it brings you great favor from the spirit realm if you simply stick your hand in a mitt or a glove full of bullet ants for 10 minutes. You know what a bullet ant is? It's, it's the, the insect believed to have the most painful sting of the whole insect kingdom. So they've got that ritual. We don't have any gloves up here, so be comforted, baptism candidates. But they believe that that's going to bring you some kind of spirit, better spiritual standing for the rest of your life. In 10th grade, I did a report on Native Americans, and um, I remember that the Mandan Indian tribe from North Dakota about 200 years ago did something called the Opika Ceremony for their religious ritual. And what you did the Opika Ceremony for was if, if you made it through, then you had, you had good standing with the spirits. And what that was, was you, you weren't allowed to eat or sleep for four days. And then at the end of that four-day period, you uh, were hung by these skewers that they threaded through your back and through the muscles on your back the whole way down and hung you from a limb until you passed out. And when you passed out, they would let you down. And if you woke up, if you woke up, then you were considered to be in good spiritual standing. And the way that they honored you and marked you was they took a hatchet and chopped off your pinky finger so that you were known to be honored spiritually for the rest of your life. So, there are some crazy rituals. The IUP student was right. But the difference between what we're doing here in baptism and what they're doing in their rituals is that this baptism ceremony doesn't gain you any favor with God. Let's talk about why we do this. Let's talk about why we do baptism. First of all, the first thing we need to know is that God's standards are higher than any other religion in the world. God's standards, our God, His standard is perfection. Perfection. He requires us to be perfect. However, He knows that none of us are perfect. So what He did was He made a way so that we could pass that standard through His righteousness. So God the Son became a human being. He became a human just like all of us so that he could live the perfect life that none of us could live. He lived perfectly in obedience to God the Father through the power of God the Spirit. The whole Trinity was at work in this plan. And, and God the Son lived that perfect life yet even though he lived perfectly, which means he never did anything wrong and he always did everything right in, in accordance with the Father's will. He was punished. He was crucified. He was given up to be crucified by the hands of evil men, but yet it was according to the foreknowledge and foreplanning of God the Father. And that, the purpose of that was so that He could be our substitute to pay our penalty for all the sins that we've committed and all the things that we haven't done right. And so... Jesus Christ, God the Son, He did the one ultimate ceremony, sacrifice, that none of us could do. And He did it by Himself. And that's why we don't need to do 
anything except put our faith and trust in Him. Because of His finished work, we don't need to we don't need to do anything with skewers and hooks through our back. We don't need to throw our babies off of towers. We don't need to put our hands in mitts full of bullet ants. We don't need to do any of these rituals. We do baptism because it's a symbol. It's a reminder of what He did for us and how we are united with Him through faith. And so, Jesus Christ has already paid the full price for us. So, first of all, baptism, when, when these four brothers and sisters get in this water and they go down under and they come back up, that's a symbol of something that's already happened in their lives. You can think of it like this. This is, this is my wedding ring. I don't wear jewelry. This is the only piece of jewelry I've ever worn. And this ring is a symbol it represents something. What does it represent? It, it represents my marriage. Now the ring isn't my marriage. This is not my marriage. My marriage is something that happened almost 18 years ago and continues throughout the rest of my life with my wife Jane. And, and it's, it's something that's going on every day. It's, it's present. This is just a symbol of that. In the same way, baptism is a symbol of something that happened to them. So there was a moment in each one of these four believers' lives where they were converted, they, they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and something spiritual happened in their lives. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 talks about this. It says, In Him, that's in Jesus Christ, you also, so you also, Barbara, Jermaine, Rachel, Rhonda, and in any of us who have believed in him, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So you can't just hear it, the gospel, but you hear and believe. When you did that, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, I didn't put verse 14 on my notes to be projected, but I actually I, I want to read that because it's going to help us to understand exactly what happened. Ephesians 1, 14, the next verse says this. Who is the guarantee? So you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. So the spiritual thing that happened the moment that you believed was that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. You were, you were surrounded. You were immersed in the Spirit and sealed with Him, marked by Him, marked by Him who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. We have salvation, but we don't have salvation in full yet because we're not really in our redeemed bodies with the Lord at this time. But the Spirit of God that you received when you believed in Him, when you believed the Gospel, seals you in that state. So positionally, all of us who have believed in Jesus Christ are sealed in that state of salvation. 
we have eternal security. And that can never be broken because nothing is more powerful than the Spirit of God who seals us and marks us in salvation until we acquire possession of it fully. That's why He is the guarantee. And that's one of the things that we're celebrating today when we see these folks being baptized. This doesn't save them. This doesn't seal them with the Spirit of God as a guarantee until they acquire possession of full salvation. But this is a symbol that that has happened in their lives. So they're saved, and they will be forever saved. So Romans 6, 3 and 4 explains this in some more detail. Let's look at Romans 6, 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So when you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you were baptized into His death. Baptized means to be submerged, immersed, completely plunged into. This is why we don't do sprinkling. Because the word baptize literally means that you are submerged into something where it completely surrounds you. So this baptism that we do in water, which is a symbol of the baptism spiritually that we received the moment we believed in Jesus Christ, is a symbol that we were baptized into his death. So when Jesus Christ died and shed his blood for us, that forgave us of all of our sins. We are baptized into that forgiveness. We are forgiven of every sin that we have ever committed, every sin that we're committing right now, and every sin that we will ever commit, past, present, and future. That's the difference between the Old Testament sacrifices and Jesus' sacrifice. They had to keep doing it because they kept sinning, and they had to go back and slaughter more bulls and slaughter more goats and pour their blood on the altar. Jesus' blood is far more powerful than the blood of bulls and goats. And we were baptized into that shed blood which means that we are saved, not just of our past sins, but of all of our sins. When God the Father looks at those who believe in Jesus Christ, those who have believed in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1.13, not only does he see them as sealed with the Spirit of God for the day of redemption, but he sees them as perfect. He sees them as those who have met God the Father's standards of perfection because they have been baptized into Christ Jesus. They're forgiven. Not only are they forgiven, but God the Father sees us as if we have perfectly obeyed Him every day from the beginning of our lives to the end. In this aspect of salvation, He does not see your sin. He only sees Jesus Christ. When God the Father looks down on this earth and sees human population, He only sees two kinds of people. He sees those who are still in their sin, and He sees His Son, Jesus Christ, because the rest of them have been baptized into Him. And therefore, He is their representative, 
He is the standard that has been met that God the Father sees. So all of you who are being baptized, this has happened already. The moment you believed in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And the baptism, when you go under the water, is a reminder that you have been baptized into his death and you are forgiven of your sins because it's as if you died that death. And when you come out of the water, that's a reminder that you have been raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. So we all have been not only baptized into his death, we all who believe, but we've been baptized into his new life. And we have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ now with us to help us to walk out that new life. And we have a guarantee in that that we will be with him forever. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, baptized into Christ, happens by believing in him, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, Behold, the new has come. The Father sees you as if he's wearing these rose-colored glasses that are stained with the blood of Jesus Christ, and that's how he sees you. He sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ, which cancels out all all of your sin. You're a new creation. So that's what baptism symbolizes. But like the wedding ring, it symbolizes something else too. It symbolizes commitment. First and foremost, it symbolizes God's commitment to you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. You may walk away from him for a time, but he will never leave you. He will always pursue you for the rest of your life. So when you signed up by believing in him, you signed up for him being fully committed to you forever. But it also represents, like a marriage, represents, like a wedding ring, represents a commitment from one spouse to the other in marriage. It represents our commitment to him, to follow him for the rest of our lives. And as a church, our job, in help, our jo- job today, as we celebrate the baptism of these four, these four believers, is to help them, to help support them in their walk with Jesus Christ. So you, you all are committing to follow Jesus Christ. You're making a statement up here today. You're making a statement. You, you, you're going to come up in a couple minutes, and you might, if you have the opportunity to share if you want to. You don't have to. That's fine. But even if you don't share, by getting baptized, you're making a statement to everyone here that I believe that Jesus Christ has saved me and I want to follow him for the rest of my life. And that's a powerful statement, and I commend you all for making it. But for the rest of us, we are also making a statement by being here that we want to support them in that. That's, that's our role today. So let me pray, and uh, I wanna, after I pray, I want to have those who are being baptized, we'll call them up individually, and uh, we'll celebrate with them. So Father... We thank you for your word that is clear. We thank you that baptism is something that we do that reminds us of what you have already done. And we pray that this would be a powerful, powerful time in the life of these four believers. We pray, Father, that you would bless them, that you'd give them peace as they come up here, that you would reassure them by your spirit that 
this is something you've called them to do and that you would just help this baptism ceremony to, to, to go very well. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.